0: Hey guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazitti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. If you guys are joining me here for the first time today, I would highly encourage you guys to take the 10 episode challenge. uh, what is a 10-episode challenge? Well, it's, it's exactly like it sounds. Basically, I am challenging you to go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. You know, I really feel like you get the most out of the show, the most value out of the show if you go back and you listen to those last 10 episodes as opposed to just listening to this one episode right here today. Um, but, you know, if you are joining me for the first time and whatnot, you know, hey, welcome. I'm, I'm super happy to have you guys here. You know, here, you know, like I said, we focus on financial freedom and economics, and the primary reason for that is A, I have a huge passion for Austrian economics, I, I absolutely love economics, it's a, it's a huge passion for my, of mine, and I also really, really enjoy financial freedom. Now financial freedom, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. It's kind of a subjective term, but to me it means controlling the source of your income. Now there are many ways in which you can do this, which is why instead of, I, I guess you could also call it entrepreneurship, but I always like to call it financial freedom. They kind of both mean the same thing, but I always preferred the term financial freedom. Um, Honestly, just because it sounds cooler, it sounds better than entrepreneurship. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with the, the term entrepreneurship, but financial freedom, guys, controlling the source of your income. It's the most important thing that you guys can do for your life, and I know a lot of people are waking up to this reality more and more and more so as we start heading deeper and deeper into this crazy economic time that we're seeing, and political too. I mean, it's getting absolutely insane. Well, with the election and just everything that's going on. I mean, you guys, if, if you're watching the news, which if you are, you must be a glutton for punishment. You know, if you're trolling social media, again, you got to be a glutton for punishment. One of the best ways that I found in my personal life to stay away from the depression and the craziness is honestly to just live under a rock. I know that sounds kind of funny. I mean, I don't live 100% under a rock. I keep track of economic, data, right? I keep track of economic news. I read a lot of economic articles, whether it's from the Mises Institute, fee.org, Amer- the American Institute for Economic Research, whether it's, you know, John Malden economics and his thoughts and Mr. Malden's thoughts from the front lines, you know, uh, w- whatever. I mean, I read all kinds of economic articles all over the place from, I mean, at Rockwell.com, you know, also on Investopedia, so it's not just all Austrian-based stuff. But, you know, I, I read economic data all the time. And, uh, you know, I say data. I'm not looking at graphs, okay? I do look at graphs if they're posted in the articles. I read a lot of articles, okay? I I read a ton. You know, every week I'm reading some kind of article on what's going on economically, sometimes politically, but more of general political issues. I don't always, you know, I, I I don't really care much for the, oh, what's happening with you know, uh race rights, you know, uh black rights or Hispanic rights or what's happening with gender, you know, gender politics and so I really try to stay away from that stuff. You know, a lot of times it's because it gets me angry. It gets me incredibly angry. You know, we have become as a nation so selfish so self-centered. We have lived with so much prosperity for so long, or at least perceived prosperity, right? A lot of the prosperity that the America has had for generations now is, is largely not real. It's largely just money printing uh, by the Fed. You know, I mean, if you actually look at the Austrian money supply, I think it's AMS is the, act- is the acronym for it. It's the Austrian's money supply index, and it's the alternative of the actual money supply index that is uh, more mainstream. But basically, if you look at that, you know, every time the economy, every time money printing is increased, and this is really the growth rate of the money supply, not like the money supply, but the growth rate. And every time the growth rate continues to increase, we see seemingly, right, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, we see seemingly economic growth. Happy times everyone has a job everyone is happy that's generally speaking what we tend to see however comma <laughs> uh, you know if we start to see the slowdown of the growth rate of the money supply then we start to see economic destruction we start to well not really economic destruction so much but we start to see economic calamities all right we start to see recessions depressions there seems to these two this indicator seems to be very tied much with what you see in terms of you know crashes and economic recessions and things of that nature you know one of the most important and the reason i bring it up is because i brought it up in past episodes, which again, this is why you need to go listen to 10 episodes. We don't talk about news in a vacuum. We don't talk about economics in a vacuum. I will be referencing stuff from time to time that, that, you know, stuff that I've talked about in the past. So you need to go back and you need to listen. You know, if you want to do more than 10 episodes, if you were absolutely loving this stuff, then that's great. Awesome. But if, but still you need to go back and you need to listen to the last 10 episodes so that you understand more or less what we're talking about here. It, it, it'll help, all right? It, again, you'll get more value out of it that way. But, you know, in the past, I've talked about the Austrian, you know, supp- uh, money supply growth rate and the index and whatnot. And, you know, I, so far, I really want to link. I, I want to share with you guys a link to it so you guys can go check it out for yourself. I don't know where it is. Um, there, I know it's somewhere. I found it at one point in time, and I... Yeah, a little embarrassingly, somehow lost it. Unfortunately, I save a lot of different websites and a lot of different links and stuff like that. And I save so much to the point that I'm, I guess you can say, I'm a website hoarder. <laughs> I have tons of websites in uh, my Google Chrome and my, I have certain tabs and, and, oh gosh, I mean, I just have certain saved, not really tabs, but they're saved little, um, Files that I keep tons of saved articles that I always intend to read and yet I never read I don't know why I do it uh, and I I have started going through and deleting the stuff You know, I, I just it's it's a wealth of information I wish I could read it all but unfortunately it's been years and I still haven't read it So I don't know why I keep it. It, it annoys my wife when she uses my computer She's like what are you doing this? Are you actually reading these and I'm like um, No, not I haven't read them yet. And She's like, oh, okay well you're probably slowing your browser down and i'm like okay well maybe you know you know but anyways it's 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 funny but that that said though you know when as the you know we live in a in an economy today and i've said this before in the past actually in a, a couple episodes ago that we li- our economy is like a heroin addict right we're addicted to the cheap money we're addicted to the money growth whether it's you know it's printing money or low interest rates or whatnot we're ch- we're addicted to it how many people have credit cards today right while the credit cards and you you yourself may have credit cards if you follow now in my opinion I think you need to take a scissors you know, to those suckers and and get rid of them, burn them, kill them. You're carrying around a personal enslavement device. Remember, whoever, the debtor is slave to the lender and you are willingly entering into slavery every single time you use it. Okay. So you really don't want to be a slave, right? Nobody wants to be a slave. I use that to drive, to stir up emotions in you because everybody wants, we have an innate desire to be free on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we just want someone to tell us what to do so that we don't have to think and we don't have to struggle and we don't have to deal with the pain of life, right? So on the one hand, humans need a certain level of freedom to be happy, and we even desire some of this freedom. On the other hand, we don't and certain generations some generations have desired more freedom and and pursued more freedom than others my generation the millennial generation doesn't desire freedom much at all now there are certain people in my generation that do but there's a lot of people in my in the millennial generation that do not which is unfortunate but it it is the way that it is they just have been raised to, to you know being told what to do all the time independence wasn't something that they were raised with you know, for me, I was actually homeschooled. For those of you guys who don't know, I was homeschooled uh, all through high school uh, and, and everything before high school, elementary, middle school. Basically, I, my mom homeschooled me and a couple of my siblings as well. Uh, not every one of my siblings. I, I, I'm one of six kids, by the way. I am the third oldest, okay? For starting from me down, the rest of us were homeschooled by by my mom, my dad. And, and, and I don't know if it was for any real political reason. But it was primarily because my parents felt that it was their responsibility to educate their children and not anybody else's responsibility. That said, though, you know, going back to the economy, because I don't know where I got off track. I always do that. I do apologize for that. You know, uh, going off to, b- back to the economy, okay? We are in dire straits. Right now, the economy stands on the edge of a knife, okay? Or the edge of a cliff, whichever analogy you prefer. And, uh, you know, we've been addicted to easy money for a long period of time, and many people have what, the you know, personal enslavement devices called credit cards. Many people like to use them. Uh, this is just an, you know, uh, and it, while the interest rates are high, it's easy money, right? It's easy access to money. You have spending limits, $3,000, 5000 $10,000. You can't go into debt more than that, you know, with that particular, dev- you know, uh, debt instrument revolving credit, I suppose you could say. And I I just, uh, you know, I don't know, guys. It's just, it's insane. I mean, look, think about it. We have had credit cards, and we don't even think about it anymore, right? I don't use credit cards. I've never used credit cards. I've never had a credit card. But if you look back on other generations, okay, what do you think that they would think about carrying around debt? I mean, you look back to the 30s, right, 20s and 30s and 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 maybe even further back there, maybe the the eighteenth eighteen hundreds the nineteenth century, what do you think? do you think that they view debt fondly no no it was it was uh shameful to go into debt now granted yes pri you know um Monetary devaluation was significantly lower at that time. Uh, you know, pr- prices were a lot cheaper. You know, you didn't have the massive um, hysterical printing of money all the time that you have these days in the 21st century. And actually, you had you know going back to I believe the 20th century too, because that's when the Federal Reserve was created. But no, pr- past generations would never have been have been in that boat. Of constantly going into debt over and over and over again. And, and, and having the audacity, they would think, the audacity to carry around a plastic piece in your car, in your wallet, that allowed you to go into debt at will, without talking with anyone, without going through any kind of contracts, to go into debt for the, 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 the most worthless of things to going into debt for things that you should not be going into debt for. You know, buying food for crying out loud. I I if you have a credit card, I don't mean to make you feel bad, okay? Uh, that's not my intention cuz I know that the bulk of Americans do. The bulk of westerners do. But it's wrong. It's not right. We have become so addicted to easy money, and credit cards are just an easy example of that. They are a glaring example, and you only realize it when you get some perspective in the, in the world. You know, one of my one of my mentors, uh, Jason Stapleton, all right, great guy. If you guys uh, don't know him, you really should go listen to him. He's, he's got a, a, a podcast on uh, entrepreneurship, very similar to this show, in fact. That said, though, you know, he always said that history, for most people, history started the day they were born right? And I always thought that that was a profound statement because it's so true. Most people don't understand history. Most people don't understand historically what the world was like. And without historical perspective, how can they possibly understand how to operate their own life? How can they possibly understand how to view certain things that happen in their life because they have no perspective, how could they possibly, they're not going to view, you know, current life events in, in in quite the same way. Maybe probably not even in the best way without any kind of perspective historically. And the same is with credit cards. Credit cards represent easy debt and an easy money, right? Even though the interest rates are, are high on credit cards, you can get them fairly low, but that doesn't really matter, right? In the end, you have easy access to money because we are at addicted to the easy money addicted to it if you were to take the banks and tell them that you have to have a hundred percent reserves for absolutely every freaking thing that you lend out cash reserves or gold or silver reserves whatever you wouldn't have credit cards today I, I can almost guarantee you that I don't I don't believe you would I don't believe that you, you, you might, okay, you might have, have cash reserves for that because I guess if the spending limit was 3000, then you would have to have a spent you would have to have reserves of 3000. Um, may, may, maybe something around those lines, but I, I don't think, I, I don't, I don't think you would. I don't, I don't know if you would have such fast revolving credit. I, I don't, I don't think that you would have credit cards. And even if you did, there would be a stigma against it back then. You know, it was particularly if you're thinking, about, if you're looking towards back then. But anyways, getting a perspective by looking towards the past, okay? You you would get a perspective, and you that you would never get in any other way. Look at the culture. Look how people viewed money back then. What is money today? Money is. It has all kinds of different, you know, viewpoints. People view money in all kinds of ways. Money is a medium of exchange. It is used to exchange for other items that we deem more valuable because if we deemed the money more valuable than the item, we would never make the exchange. But that's what money is. It's a mass adopted means of, uh, you know, exchange, And it allows people to engage in commerce and to engage in all kinds of stuff in a way that they wouldn't really engage in otherwise. Now, that said, though, people do not value money anymore. People don't value it. People disrespect money all the time. And there are many rules of money. There's the three rules of money, right? If you want to become wealthy, there's three rules of money. This also comes from Jason Stapleton as well, <laughs> but uh, at, at least his show is where I first heard about it. But there's three rules of money. You spend less than you make, you save, and you invest the rest in, in industries or in things you understand. doesn't necessarily have to be an industry. You, you could invest in a business or something of that nature, uh, but, but still, you spend less than you make. You save, and then you invest the rest. You need savings. You need savings for emergencies. You need savings for productive reasoning. I mean, I just used savings to pay for some advertising. I just, I mean, speaking of Jason, I just paid for some advertising on the Jason Stapleton, well, on his Wealth, Power, and Influence podcast. I wouldn't have been able to do that without savings, right? you know so that but that, that, that said though you know if you look back at, at past generations you will see how they, they viewed debt and they did not view debt fondly and yet we are so addicted we don't even we don't even remember how past generations viewed it but we are so addicted to the point that we carry around credit cards to this day we carry uh, carry around personal debt instruments revolving credit personal enslavement devices each and every day let that sink in and then tell me, after you've thought about it long and hard, tell me that we are not addicted to easy money. The addiction has become so profound, we don't even know we're addicted anymore. We don't even see it as an addiction. We just see it as an, a, a normal day, everyday life occurrence. I know people who manage their money really well who still have credit cards. Now, I, you know, I, I just, no, 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 no. I hate debt. I absolutely hate it. It it makes you into a slave. And and we have and slavery is in vogue today, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. Slavery is popular. Not only popular, it is praised today. Slavery through politics, trying to ask the government to save us. Save us, dear overlords. Slavery through debt. Please let me have money so I can own a house that I can't afford. That will put me in the poor house. Happens all the time. I know, we all know people who have gone through that. I talk about that situation, um, you know, with, with some good friends of mine that my, my wife and I lived with when we, were really, when we were just married. They were living in a house when the husband lost his job. He couldn't afford. Tried to fight it for years. Eventually, foreclosure, eviction, it all happened. Kicked out on the front yard, literally. My stuff was. My wife and I stuff was. It was an awful situation. Hey, I, you, uh, to th- thinking back on it, it makes me cry, but in reality, it was a blessing in disguise. It really was because it opened my mind up for opportunities that never, I never even would have thought about had I not lived through an eviction like that. But it was really sad, and it, it, it makes, I, I, I come close to tears every time I think about it, and, and it was years ago, and, but it's just, it, it's a horrible situation. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But that said, though, we are addicted to money, easy money. We are addicted to it. A long time ago, interest rates used to be high, very high. And banks had to have very strict lending standards. At one point in time in our history, they had lending standards where they had to have 100% of whatever they lent out, meaning you couldn't get a loan unless you had a lot of collateral or unless you were in a situation where you were really good for the money, like you had a high income or whatnot, but still high interest rates. I mean, you're talking well over 10% interest rate. You're, it could have been 20 to 30%. And in most cases... In most cases, you couldn't even get 100% of a loan. Not that long ago, banks wouldn't even lend 100% of the value of a home. You, maybe 50 Sometimes, you go back far enough, it was like 30%, but they wouldn't lend you 100% of it. Now, granted, because of this, this seems terrible, right? Because we've been addicted to money for so long, our mentality about money has been warped and twisted And just totally skewed for so long that this seems like, oh my gosh, greedy, evil banks. I can't believe how awful they were. That's how you view it, right? That's how many people do. I don't. I'm like, man, I'd I'd love to go live back in a day where banks actually give them a frack about it all. Where they actually treated the money with respect. And they wouldn't lend out 100% alone because that represented a massive amount of risk. You know what it did, though? Made life cheaper. Made housing a lot cheaper. Houses were nowhere near the prices that they are today. Yeah, I, I, I remember my, my father-in-law talking about the first house that him and my mother bought. $40,000. 40000 grand For a house. For a house. A normal house. A normal, I think a North Texas house. Forty thousand dollars. You don't know want to you know, the starter house I'm in, two hundred thousand. If you own a house, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't live in an area where, if you live in it, and if you don't live in an area where I guess I don't know prices haven't gone up a lot, and uh, you know real estate's still cheap relative to the rest of the country, and you live in like California or something, like you know better than anyone else. How damaging this stuff is. How do you like living in an expensive area like California? You like being fleeced through the taxes and regulations, but more importantly, do you like being fleeced th- through the unseen taxation of monetary devaluation? In your area, if you live in California, you know when prices rise, it's, an, it's a tax on you. A lot of people call it inflation, right? I, it, inflation is not true; it's not correct. It's the wrong terminology. It's 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 in, it's an economic. It, it is so easy to use that term today that so many people do, but it's it's incorrect. Inflation is the increase in the monetary supply, which causes or can cause a general increase in prices. It kind of depends on where the money circulates. And who has the money, and how it circulates throughout the economy, as to whether or not it will cause a a rise and pr- a general rise in prices. But generally speaking, that's what people classify as inflation as a general rise in prices. It, it, it's inaccurate. If you look up most definitions today in most dictionaries, that's exactly what they're going to tell you. Again, the definition has changed. Keynesian economics has corrupted the minds of people. We've been so addicted to easy money. And for so long, and on top of all that, you know, uh, the, defin- the, the definition has, well, I don't know if it's because we've been addicted to easy money, but basically the definition has changed, okay, because of Keynesian economics and whatnot. And, and really, the, 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 I, I believe it, it was intentional, intentionally changed for the purpose of keeping you uneducated, keeping you unaware of what's really going on in, in the world today. You see, they want you focused on prices, generally increasing prices. They want you focused on the fact that prices are rising. Why? So they can demonize businesses. So they can demonize entrepreneurs. So they can demonize other people. When in reality, when I'm saying they, I'm referring to the government. I'm referring to the Federal Reserve. It's actually the Federal Reserve. It's actually the banks. It's the, it's the federal government that's really causing these issues. Right, and what it's really mostly the banks. The banks are causing these issues, uh, and and technically speaking, no, the Federal Reserve is not an actual government institution. It's a private institution. But to say that is is really stupid because you're based. I mean, a lot of people like to say that, particularly particularly left wing progressives and liberals are like, oh yeah, well you know Matthew. I mean, come on, we all know that it's not a government institution. It's a private institution, and this is why there's so many problems. We need to draw, bring it under control of the government. More insight. Or more oversight, uh, federal, you know, federal government oversight over the Federal Reserve and whatnot. And like, you know, you, you just, you're a hopeless rube. You're a hopeless plebe or pleb, what, however you want to say. It. it could be said both ways. You're, you're a hopeless commoner. You, you are ill-educated. You don't have much of an education on this area. You don't have much knowledge. Therefore, you should really, you know, keep your mouth shut. You don't understand what you're talking about. The fact remains is that you're wrong. If that's if you are of the opinion or anyone you know who is of the opinion, they are wrong. The Federal Reserve already is heavily politically motivated. The government already heavily politically motivates and pressures the Federal Reserve. You can't tell me they don't. Because they do. Why do you think the economy is being kept up so much right now? I mean, we're on the edge of a knife, right? The economy is on the edge of a knife. And quite frankly if it doesn't get any aid from the Federal Reserve or the or Congress it's going to fall off and we could see very much a, a, a recession the likes of which this country and generations haven't seen in a long time we could very well see another great depression we could see the greater depression it could get that bad I have a tendency to think that uh, I, mean, I, 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 sh- I don't really know I don't I don't I hope it doesn't get that bad but it could it really could but you see, the Federal Reserve doesn't want that to happen. So they're printing money. They're buying bonds on the, on the markets, on the bond markets and what they're buying bonds like crazy. Why would they do that? Why would they prop up the bonds? You think it's not because of politics? You think it's not because of trying to grease the palms of, of corporations? You really think that every, go- every company that's receiving those purchases and receiving that cash injection, do you really think that they need the money? You really think that all of those companies are struggling as much as small businesses, your local businesses, that you see driving to work or driving around your, your local community? No, some of those companies don't even need the money and yet they're receiving billions of dollars worth. Apple's one of them. Apple has more money than the federal government itself and yet it issued, I think, $8 billion worth of bonds, if I remember correctly. I, I read that article a uh, couple, months, couple months back. But seriously, there are companies that are receiving that money that don't even need it. Now, sure, I'm sure iPhone sales are down, but I mean, come on, it's Apple. They can, they can weather that storm, should be able to, particularly with how much cash they have on hand. There are many other companies that really are not in dire straits, Maybe they're being hurt a little, but they're not anywhere near the dire straits that other companies are in. And yet those companies are not receiving anywhere near the aid of these big companies. We have a situation today, ladies and gentlemen, where companies, large companies, a lot of this, you know, government intervention is being done on behalf of, you know, of trying in the name of trying to keep alive large companies. Why? Why are we doing this? Why do we care if a large company survives? Because they employ thousands upon thousands of people. In some cases, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. Actually, I don't know if there's a company out there that employs hundreds of thousands. It very well could be. And even if they don't directly employ hundreds of thousands of people, their business supports other businesses. And in the end, they're a, they're kind of a, not really a brick in the wall, but they are a supportive piece to it, to to a whole industry, and their inf- if they were to go under, then their loss of demand would as- effectively cause thousands more to go over to go under, kind of like a cascading effect, like a domino effect, if you will. This is the addiction that we have today. This is the addiction of America: easy money. And yes, the Federal Reserve is already. Politically motivated. Actually, the Federal Reserve is simply just a banking cartel. It's just all the big major banks, and they all have governors or, or financial investment institutions, and um, they they all have people. They all have governors, you know, executives that are working on this, so, uh, that are working at the Federal Reserve. It's 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 one big massive banking cartel. They control the money supply, and it's really really sad. But ladies and gentlemen. This is the addiction of our nation. And the main reason I'm bringing this up, you know, we're, we're 45 minutes into this episode and, and I haven't even really explained why I'm, I'm driving this this home, right? But the main reason I'm bringing this up is because, like I said before, the economy is in dire straits and we need to understand why. Yes, the lockdowns play a huge role, but another key variable that no one is talking about is It was because of the money growth rate falling. The money growth rate. The the growth rate of the money supply has been falling, I think, I want to say since like 2011, maybe 2012 if I remember correctly. And, And here we are where it fell enough now to the point that it finally, we see a crash, we see a recession. All that was needed was the Black Swan event. The money supply growth rate was already down. That was the, the foundation of this. Every, you know, the foundation of the economy is nothing more than cheap, fake money. Funny money, if you want to call it that. Monopoly money, if you, for those of you guys who like to play the game Monopoly. You know? It's, it's, it's fake. It's not real. They keep ginning it up out of thin air. And when they stop... The whole thing, all you need is one black swan event, COVID-19 comes around, the whole thing falls to crap. You think you live in a free economy today? Think America's free? I was taught at a young age that America was the freest country in the world. That while things are bad in America, things are worse everywhere else. And that America is the best country to be born in. That America is the freest in the world. The freest and most prosperous, most powerful nation the world has ever seen. That's what I was taught. In effect. Or at least that's what I believed when I was younger. I don't believe it now. <laughs> those were th- 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 those were lies. Not, not to say that the-, that the people that were saying those things were lying to me. No, they genuinely believed it themselves. But they had been lied to. It's that whole Republican conservative narrative, right? Oh yeah, it's bad here in America, but you know it's worse everywhere else. Well, in some places, sure. Of course it is. We're talking about the whole freaking world at this point. Of course there are some places where it's way worse. But to say that there aren't better places? To say that America is the freest? I know that there are probably countries out there that I, I guarantee you they're freer than America. That treat you better. That don't abuse you that don't abuse the prosperity you've been able to achieve, the productiveness that you've been able to achieve. That, in fact, not only do they not abuse you, they lift you up and they celebrate you. Maybe not you personally, but they celebrate the fact that you are successful. They want you to be successful because the more successful you are, the more successful they are. And they understand that symbiotic relationship. America doesn't. Not anymore. And it's losing sight of it every single day. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the main reason why I brought all this up in the first place and the reason I want to talk about it is because I've been reading, uh, like I said, I read economic articles all the time. And, and w- one of the things that I'm, st- I'm seeing is that a lot of people are saying, well, we just have to print money. I'm hearing people that were staunchly against Keynesian economics, staunchly against Keynesian economics for years. They were limited government people, conservatives, if you want to call them that or at least to some extent, and yet I'm hearing them say, well, we're in unprecedented times, ladies and gentlemen, this is just unprecedented. We've never faced anything like this before. You know, I, I'm going to go against all the principles, all the many years of me shouting down and, and, or cutting down Keynesian economics and, and big, powerful governments. I'm going to go against all that because we just have to save the economy. Just the intellectual hypocrisy of it all, and all for the sake because they want to say that the America has never seen this before. I, I really don't give one iota whether America has seen this before or not. There is no justification for relying on the government for asking the government to save us all. I actually read this. In, in 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 one in one economic article in particular you know and it's just the more and more that, that I read the more and more I start hearing this narrative that we have just got to fix the economy i don't care what we have to do all glo- the gloves are off you know everything's on the table we've just got we're living in unprecedented times and we just have to do whatever we got to do to keep this f- ship afloat But like I just laid the groundwork in the beginning of this episode, this ship has been kept afloat by, you know, shallow water that is so murky you can't see how shallow it really is. And you're about to run on ground. Basically, it's fake. You think the water's deep. You're in this big, massive boat. You think the water's deep. You think you're fine. You think you're safe. And it turns out you're in a freaking marsh and you're about to run on ground. Water's not as deep as you thought it was. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but you, you, you get the idea. The economy was built on false economic growth. I'm not saying there wasn't actually legitimate economic growth that happened in the economy. Of course it did. But the bulk of it was fake. And yet you have people screaming and yelling for more fake economic growth for more money printing we got to save the people who are unemployed we got to we got to help them we don't want (laughs) to one guy in particular that i was reading was saying that you know yeah i'm saying that i know i'm going to be seen as hypocritical but i would rather be seen as hypocritical than see millions of people suffer well you know what you're a fool Because you are not only going to see yourself be hypocritical, you're going to see those people suffer one way or the other. You can't prevent it. Not not indefinitely. You cannot prevent the suffering that is going to occur. Yes, there's a lag effect with a lot of this kind of stuff, which is why most people don't understand it. This stuff, money printing in general, the minute or, or regulate or the regulations, regulatory burden, whatever you want to call it. You know, I mean, they all have a lag effect. You don't see the initial effects of it. You just don't. And that's what makes it all so hard to track and hard to keep in mind. You know, that's what makes it so hard to understand what's really going on. Because, in effect, you've got such a massive lag effect that by the time that it actually happens, you forgot how it occurred in the first place, if you ever knew. I mean, I'm reading all this kind of stuff with regards to the mortgage industry and whatnot. It is almost entirely controlled by the government because of regulations that have been done years ago. Years ago. Generations ago. I mean, Good Night of Mercy, ladies and gentlemen. It it just it's it boggles the mind. The lag effect is so freaking long that no wonder nobody understands this stuff, because a they're not taught it to begin with, which is intentional to keep to keep the average person stupid and unaware. They want you to be more focused on like Rome, uh, the games and and food and whatnot. They want you to be focused on, on pointless wastes of time. And look, I have nothing wrong, I I I do. I have nothing against escapism, I'm a huge video gamer myself, or at least, well, I used to be, I don't play video games much anymore, I, I spend the bulk of my time taking care of my daughter, spending time with my wife, and my family, and working on my business. If I play any game, it's only for maybe an hour every now and then, you know, maybe with my wife, you know, sometimes we like to play Dr. Mario, right, on the Wii, or sometimes I like to play Call of Duty every now and then, but that's that's pretty much the extent of it. But that being said, look, I'm not opposed to escapism. Every night I sit down after dinner and I, we, or during dinner and we watch TV. But anyways, back, back to what I was saying about the economy. If the Fed continues to print money into the bond market, if, the, if Congress, if the, if, the, if the government itself continues to give stimulus checks out and uh, continues an, an extra federal unemployment benefits, then they're going to just prolong the inevitable because if they here's here's the two ways this plays out in my mind at least you either let the natural course of things happen and you let it tank and you let suffering occur or you continue to print the money you continue to to cast uh you know the the, the country into even more debt thereby only prolonging the inevitable pushing the, kicking the can down the road, hoping that it's not your generation or it's not under your administration that it all falls apart, playing hot potato or Russian roulette, whichever way you want to look at it, you know, that is very much what's happening. And if, if they continue this money printing, it will cause, it will cause monetary devaluation. It will cause a general increase in prices. Right? Because they're printing money. They're engaging in inflation. They're increasing the supply of money. Therefore, they, I mean, what is inflation? Okay, we talked about this already, but, but just a, a, a quick summary. Inflation is the increase in the monetary supply. A, a general increase in prices is monetary devaluation. But how do you get monetary devaluation? You get that by increasing the monetary supply, which is inflation. You increase the amount of money. Imagine, imagine people creating new money and and then going off and spending that money and you kind of get a good sense of it. If you were able to create the money, you would be able to spend it before it had any effect on prices. But by the time it reached to every by the time it circulated through the economy, it would start to increase prices. But it was the creation of the money and the circulation of that money that caused the monetary devaluation, that caused the general increase in prices. That's what inflation is. General, inflation is not a general increase in prices. That is merely a symptom of it. Inflation is the increase in the monetary supply. Now, if you were to print the money and stick it under a mattress, it wouldn't do anything. You have to, It has to be circulated, right? People have to spend it. And if the Federal Reserve gets its way and it starts injecting money in directly into the hands of poor people, which are the bulk of the spenders in this nation, I think they account for something like 67% of all of all consumption in the nation, something around those lines, they're going to spend it. And it may cause mass monetary devaluation. Hyper, it, it's, it's called hyperinflation when you see prices, you know, escalate at such a rate, a massive, massive rate. That is absolutely uh, what is considered hyperinflation. Again, it's not inflation. Inflation is when you're just printing and printing and printing and, and you're increasing the monetary supply. But for all intents and purposes, people recognize it as, as hyperinflation. So you, I'm not going to try to coin a new term and say it's hyper monetary devaluation or whatever, or, although, the, you know, <laughs> my, my nerd... Self comes out in that, and I think that would sound cool. But you know, nobody would understand what I'm talking about. I'd have to describe it all. So yeah, just consider hyper hyperinflation. We all know what that is, or at least most of us do, right? Hyperinflation is the is is when prices rise to such a rate where you know businesses can't even keep running, right? Everything rises so fast in value that or in price that everything just continues to. Just businesses, it becomes too expensive for businesses to operate. It becomes too expensive, expensive for grocery stores to keep food on the shelves. People are buying stuff up like crazy. You know, it's just supply chains start to break down. You, it's ultimately the death of a financial system. Now, Venezuela has just recently gone through this in, in the past recent years. They're still in the throes of this. They're going to have to, they they have caused hyperinflation. And what they're going to do is they're going to have to create a new currency which they are doing, and, and and now start trying to get that currency adopted in the nation uh, and, and so that they can start bringing back economic growth. But, I mean, they're socialistic, so I highly doubt anything will happen. Right? But, I mean, that's what happens. This is the death, the ultimate death. And really, when a nation becomes socialistic, when a nation become, turns to socialism or communism, it really is the the, the sign that the nation is dying. It's really, through the course of of civilization, when it was kings and queens, war, you know, was sometimes because the nation was dying. The king or the queen was in bad, was, was doing terribly, the people were suffering, and they wanted to bring in another king and queen in order to take over. This wasn't always the reason for war. A lot of times war was over territorial disputes and things of that nature just as well. But again, the more wars that you saw in a nation, war was considered economic growth. It would plunder and things of that nature, but eventually you got to a point where the wars started becoming more of a burden, and then they started becoming a huge cost that eventually led to the inevitable decline of the nation itself. You saw this in France right before the French Revolution occurred. You know the 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 lavish war the, the 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 massive amounts of wars and the lavish spending, and and largely the the the, the mismanagement of the nation. They you know, um, it just it wasn't it was it was it was not managed well. And we're not going to get into that today, but. And again, it wasn't entirely a centrally planned economy or a government or country at that, at that time, but there was a lot of intervention that never should have happened, which created a lot of instability and a lot of um, suffering for a, for a lot of you know, people. But that, that stated, though, socialism, communism is largely just the deterioration of a nation. When nations start to engage in it, it's, it's a sign the nation is dying and on a, on a steady decline to death. And it's only a matter of time. Now the nation could turn around and 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 you know in effect fix everything and and ca- and bring economic growth back and whatnot. But that doesn't happen most of the time. So, anyways, you know that being said, guys, you know I mean there are other. Th- we're coming to the end of the episode, and there were lots of other things I wanted to talk about. You know the the federal bank, the Federal Reserve is is having banks do stress testing testing again. That's an, another red flag of of where we are going, uh, they're they're doing a lot more stress testing or they're starting to increase stress testing again. They already did this before the, the economic calamity happened and they're doing it again. And, uh, I'll tell you right now, their banks are more than likely going to need to be bailed out at the end of all this, just like they were in the last time, but it's going to be much worse. Um, the banks are not suited to handle this and I don't even need a stress test to tell you that. Okay. They're lending out every, every ounce of reserve that they have. They have no money. The banks have no money. The banks, if people were to run on a bank right now, they'd have bank holidays and they have to lock it all up. There is no money in banks right now, okay? They're in dire straits just like everybody else. You don't need to do stress testing to figure that out. But the fact remains is that they lending standards are going to increase during this crisis, and ultimately, the banks are probably going to need to be um, saved via the taxpayer dollars just like they were in 2008. That's probably what's going to happen. But guys, you know, uh, look, so... In the end, I know that times are are dire and things are hard, and I know me and my family may suffer just as well as everybody else, and if you are suffering, my heart really truly does go out to you, but do not turn yourself into a Keynesian. Do not turn yourself, do not give up your principles of being fiscally conservative, economically conservative, or, or whatever you want to call it. Do not give up your principles and give up your economic beliefs, and do not become a hypocrite. All because we're in a quote-unquote never seen for never seen before time. That's always the ca- that's always the claim. Oh, we've never seen this before. We're in unprecedented times. Always the claim. Not saying it's not right. I'm just saying that that's always what they claim to justify all kinds of horrible, horrible policies. Don't believe them. Don't uh, yeah. Unprecedented? Sure. Sure. But economic calamities have happened before. The reason this economic calamity is going to be worse than the last one is because of all the intervention and all the... Un- it's because they keep saying, oh, we're in unprecedented times, we got to fix the problem. Oh, we're in unprecedented times, we got to fix the problem. Yeah. It, it, it's that very thought process that creates the problem in the first place. The problem was created because you intervened. The problem was created... Because you put your dirty little fingers in the situation, you kept yourself out of it, years and generations upon generations ago, we wouldn't be in this mess. But we are. Unfortunately, we, we just are, and that's the, sa- that's the sad truth, but it's true. That is the way it I- just the way it is. We are in this boat because we started looking to the government to fix our problems. We're in this boat because we started believing that the government needs to save us. And the government is all too happy to oblige. You just have to give up some of your freedoms, of course, naturally. you got to become more and more of a slave to them. got to be more and more of their cash cow that they like to steal from you all the time with regards to their taxation at the point of a gun. Or, or at the point of getting thrown in jail. Or your wages garnished through the IRS. Or, or who knows what other terrible method they use. But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, that um, they caused this. And it was, you know, our, our terrible view of, of, of money that has allowed them to, that, that has created the culture that has allowed these governments to do what they want. Again, politics is downstream from culture, right? Your government is a direct representation of its people. That's never been more true than it is today. And in the end, it won't end well. While we will recover from this economic situation, eventually there will be one that will be the straw that breaks the camel's back at some point. Hopefully it's not in our time. Hopefully it's not in my time and it's not in your time. But that will happen. That's the inevitable outcome and it will and it's unavoidable at this point because the culture doesn't support what is necessary to fix the problem. You know, the culture doesn't understand money. It abuses money. It abuses the blessing from God that it is. Everything we have is a blessing from God and they abuse it constantly. They don't understand it. Maybe it's they rejected. Maybe it's, uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. They just were probably never taught to value money and how to treat it, how to respect it. Most people aren't. I can tell you, my education in money didn't really quite start till I was already an adult. So I certainly wasn't taught it at a young age. I was taught through seeing, through seeing friends and you know friends and family over the years struggle with money. I learned quite a bit, but in the and it made me more conservative with my finances. But again, I certainly wasn't taught it, and I know most people weren't. So, anyways, guys. But look, I mean, th- th- that's where we are today. Okay. That's the ultimate situation that we're in. And it's, it, it, it is the way that it is. It, it just is. All right. So, you know, but Hey, look, there are things that you can do to, to hedge against it, to, to plan against the risk. There are things you could do even to this day to help you hopefully avoid what's coming. But I fear we don't have a lot of time. All right, time is against us. And, all right, but, 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 ladies and gentlemen, that being said, do not give in to the fear and do not allow your principles to be violated. Do not, if you know, do, do not turn to Keynesianism or other things simply because it's an unprecedented time. Like I said before, it's that very idea that it's unprecedented. We have to do whatever we need to do in order to fix the problem. It's that very idea that has caused the issues that we're currently in. The very idea see ideas are powerful things they, they they infect your minds like a well in many ways like a disease like a virus they're very powerful and they change a nation they change cultures they change countries they can cha- it can change humanity it really, they really are powerful. But that said, though, just because we're in unprecedented times, do not fall prey to this idea that we need to do whatever we need to do. We need to print all this money. We need to save everyone else's job. No. No. It is not the responsibility of government to save your job. It is not the responsibility of government to ensure that you have an income so that you can eat. That is your responsibility, not the government's. Okay? But I will, But we should not look to the government to fix these problems, particularly these. Right? Just, no. No, 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 no. In hindsight, we really shouldn't look to the government to fix any kind of problem. But I know that we still do, largely because the government doesn't let us take actions. It doesn't let us do what we need to do in order to, um, you know, hedge the risk in the first place, to get ahead of the problem in some cases. But, you know, I mean, that said, though, that's what we're in. And don't allow yourself to be fooled by this ideology that we have to, you know, destroy years upon years of principles, years upon years of, of, of appropriate ways to treat money in the sake of fixing the problem. No. The, you want to know my opinion, and I'll give it real quick because we're kind of at the end. We are at the end of the episode, as I already stated before. Um, my opinion is that we need to let it crash. We need to let the system correct. And it would be devastating. It very well could be the end of America as we know it as it stands today. Not to say that America would die entirely. It would be devastating. It would really be it would truly be devastating, but it's gonna be devastating one way or the other. It needs to happen. And I know that sounds like a very heartless thing to say because that means millions will suffer, but it needs to occur. You're just going to make matters worse for some generation down the line, probably, you know, of uh, your children or grandchildren down the line, if it's not you that has to go through it. I I don't think the mother of all crashes and the one that breaks, the straw that breaks Camelback is, I don't think that's this one, okay? And I don't know if that's going to be in our time, but I, I am saying that do not, no matter how bad things get, don't give up your principles. If it was wrong to print money and to give money to people for sitting on their butts back in the day, it's wrong today. Have bad consequences. Look, you know, people will find a way to survive. People will find a way. They will go to their communities. They will go to their local churches. They will go to their family and friends. People will find a way to survive. Communities, if they get bad enough, may even all band together in order to help each other hopefully not through any form of violence or anything of the sort, but people will survive. Stop thinking that people are going to die and the world is going to collapse if we don't do something. No, people will survive. And in the end, I don't care how bad it gets. I will never support the printing of money. I will never support giving money to people, be you know, unemployment checks or things of that nature. I will never support it. But that said, I know that sounds really bad that sounds like I'm saying that I look very negatively upon people who take unemployment. I don't look negatively on people who take the unemployment, not if they not if they really need it, right? I mean, I do look negatively on people who are fleecing the system, who are working the system to uh, cheating the system in effect. I do n- look negatively upon those people. But if you have to go on unemployment, so be it. I do, however, if I ever had to do it, I would be ashamed but I would do it nonetheless because I had to and I would expect no different from anybody else if, if you have to you have to okay I, I personally would be ashamed because I'm taking taxpayer dollars I'm taking money from my neighbors my friends my family my parents my grandparents for crying out loud you know, or anyone who is in, you know, depending on where the money is coming from, you're, it's taxpayer dollars. I would feel bad about that. Because of my knowledge, because of of my understanding of economics, I would feel ashamed. And it would hurt me intellectually, it would hurt me emotionally to do so. But if it means the survival of my family so that we can get ourselves back on, on you know, standing up again, then, you know, you do what you got to do. And, uh, tr- you know, do what you got to do, Right just know it won't be that won't be your permanent situation you know, don't have the poverty mentality you'll get out of that situation and life will get good again but again again just don't be like all the econ- like all these articles that I'm reading that are saying that it's unprecedented and we got to do all these horrible things that were at one time seen as e- e- terrible but now we have to do no i don't care how bad it is absolutely not we are principled no matter and we are strong and we will face adversity head on We are a strong people and we will survive and we will hold to our principles and our beliefs no matter if it, even if it leads to death, we will hold to it because that's the kind of people we are. That's how we roll, (laughs) right? We are principled and we will not give up those principles all for the sake of it because it's unprecedented. And yeah, I know the consequences of believing that, but that's what the nation needs, not what it wants, but it's what it needs. So anyways, guys, look, that all being said, I don't want to end it on such a depressing note, okay? And I... I Gosh, every time I talk about economics, I love economics. I really do. It's not all depressing. It's really cool stuff. Learning how the way the world works and how humans act in, in, in praxeology, which is the study of human action, not psychology, mind you. But, you know, there's all kinds of amazing stuff about uh, about economics. And yet I feel like, um, you know, <laughs> the more and more I talk about it, it's all just like bad negative economic news. It kind of weighs down on you. But look, there are a lot of positives that are happening. For all the negativity out there, there are tons of positive stuff out there best advice I can give you is try not to pay attention to a lot of the negative stuff. Try not to get on social media and get into all the 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 social politics of it all and, and whatnot. You know, try not to watch the news because it's all negative stuff that's going to make you horribly depressed and basically kill you, it, cause you to go into an early grave. But, You know, try to live under a rock to some extent. You need to be, you can be informed to some extent, but try to live under under a rock and enjoy life. And if you do that, I, you know, for me, that's what I've been doing, and quite frankly, it makes me very happy throughout the week. It makes me a very very happy person, knowing that, in the end, you know, um, I'm not going to stress out about riots or some kind of social politics or gendered politics or race politics or any other uh, garbage. No, none of that is real. It's all, it's all lies. It's, it's, it's garbage. Okay. Don't, don't, don't get into any of that. You know, do yourself a favor and secede from the problem. Walk away from it do yourself a favor and walk away from it. It'll be much, you'll be much happier if you're not focusing on all the negativity. Get off social media, get off of, stop watching the news. You don't need to know the that stuff that's going on. Okay. I don't feel that I need to, I guess you make your own judgment, but I don't think that the most people need to understand. It doesn't really help, it doesn't enrich your life any, in my opinion. So, you know, No need to uh, bog yourself down with such negativity and toxic uh, with that toxic messaging that they have and and just the depressing news all the time. So um, that would be my thing. But look, if you guys want to fix the problem, you can. It's your choice. In the end, ultimately fixing this problem and trying to secede from the issue and, and trying to just make the you you have the power to, in effect, make the choice to not play into the problem at hand. You have the power you can choose. You have a choice. We are the masters of our fate. We are the captains of our soul, right? And while we can't always control everything that comes our way, we most certainly can choose how we react, which dramatically affects what happens the course of our life and what happens in those moments. You have a choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you do. You have a choice. You can make the choice today that I don't want to be involved in this economic calamity. I'm going to secede from it. I'm going to walk away from it. I'm not going to be part of it. You can make that choice. You want to know how you do it? You choose to become financially free. You choose to take control of the source of your income. I know I'm a broken record when I say this, but it is so true. You can. You can make the choice. I'm doing it right now. Am I making enough money to you know, replace my wife's income yet? No, not yet. But I'm working towards it all the time, every day. You can do the same thing. And you know what? If you're working really hard on your business, you're not focusing on all the toxic negative crap that's out there. You're not depressed by that stuff anymore because you're busy working on yourself, making yourself a free person, right? And that is a much more empowering goal because you can ultimately control your life. You can control your destiny, where your life is headed. You can make that choice. That's empowering. I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly empowering. So the way you do that is to take control of your source of your income, and there's lots of ways to do that. You could do that with the forex trading if you're interested in that. I got uh, Tier One Trading as an affiliate program. You know, Tier One Trading is a, is a great and amazing trading uh, co- coaching platform. They really are great. If you want to learn forex trading, go check them out, guys. I talk about them all the time. They're they're, they're uh, one of my favorite affiliate programs. You know, I have been taught by these guys how to trade Forex and whatnot. They have had a huge impact on my life. Akeel Stokes, Jason Greystone, Charles Miles. They're absolutely amazing. Okay, Darren Oglesby, again, uh, amazing. He's uh, one of the other co-founders of the business. You don't really hear a lot about him. Usually, he kind of comes in when he want, when, when they're doing like launches for new programs or things of that nature. But he's a great guy. They're all great. They're all amazing. They won't de- steer you down the wrong path. They're going to teach you a lot of amazing stuff. But if you want to learn how to control the source of your income, they're one of the best. That's one of the best ways to do it. You know, you don't have to, you know, create a business and what, what trading is a business, but you don't have to create a business in the traditional sense. And you certainly don't have to sell products to people. And if you don't, if you want a way, another way of doing that, you can learn how to take control of the source of your income, provide, you create yourself an income producing machine. And that is trading. You can do that. i and working on that myself. So if you want to join me on that, then you know go check out Tier One Trading and uh, see what see you know determine for yourself whether they're right for you. But they're the number one co- coaching platform in my most humble opinion. They're very very transparent and they're very honest people. They're they're good people. They're not going to steer you down the wrong path. They're great. I trust them. I love them. I, I think you will too. So go check them out. See what you guys think there. And then also, if you need a if you need learn a new skill. Go to Skillshare. Guys, look, Skillshare has thousands upon thousands of courses, all right? Ranging from Forex trading, options trading, stock trading, futures trading, I think they have on there. I know they got email copywriting, website design, how to pilot a drone. They got all kinds of stuff photography, filmography. They got all kinds of stuff. I mean, Coding too. I mean, all kinds of courses out there, and they're high quality courses. They're very, very good. It's not very expensive. If you're strapped for cash, this is one of the best ways for you guys to learn a new skill and ultimately to to start the process of becoming financially free. Right? And they got all kinds of stuff. So, guys, all in all, if you guys want to learn a new skill and you need to, you should always be investing in your your human capital. I don't care how good the economy is or how bad it is always be investing in your skills never allow yourself to be satisfied in that area of your life always be learning something new always be investing in yourself right that's what you should be doing and Skillshare is one of the best places to do that, guys. Most cases, they give you like a month to two months for free, um, but they're only like $100 for an entire year. I mean, that's dirt cheap, okay? It really is cheap. It's not going to be a ton of money out of your pocket. I use them all the time. I have Skillshare. I use it constantly, and I can tell you they are amazing. So if you guys are interested in that, go check them out. Again, these are affiliate programs for that, for y'all that don't know, you know, uh, I don't get paid unless you guys decide to ultimately go and and get involved in the, in their programs. Okay. So if you, and yeah, I do, I do get paid a little bit of money. I, I do receive some compensation, you know, I'm basically selling their products. So that's what it is. It's not a sponsorship, right? They're not paying to be on my show. I am pitching their product. And if you go and buy, that's, that's when I make money. Now, if you guys want something that's a little different. All right? You guys if you if you were interested in buying silver, okay? There's a new one that we have today. It's a Money Metals Exchange, ladies and gentlemen. This is a great company for buying silver and gold. I have used them to buy silver coins. I I have silver. I have quite a bit of silver actually. Um, and I'm constantly increasing my holdings of silver to this day. I'll I'll, I'll give you guys a a little secret here. One of the ways that I've actually helped increase my, my holdings of gold and silver, if you don't have a lot of money, right, which, you know, if you're in that boat then one of the best ways is ask for gold and so ask for silver coins for your birthday and Christmas. For years, I've done this and I've accumulated quite the store of saving. Now, granted, I've bought a lot of silver on my own, but I've increased the silver holdings by doing that. And they're only like 35 bucks. A lot of times, a lot of the silver coins are 30, maybe 40 bucks. So they're not that expensive. If you guys are doing Pollyanna or whatever you guys are doing for Christmas or your birthday, they're not expensive. Honestly, if you're Looking at video games, that's $60. You could get a silver coin. You get two silver coins if both are $35 for $70. Only $10 more, and you get two silver coins, which, guys, what is the purpose of silver? Silver is not going, uh, precious metals in general, cryptocurrencies as well, okay? You can hold them like investments, okay? You can certainly do that, but know that they are volatile, and they will go up and down. Really, what gold and silver, precious metals, and cryptocurrencies are is they're a hedge against inflation, that's the way that I like to view them. They're fear and greed assets, right? It's you. I'm not saying you can't make money off gold and silver. You can trade it. You can even invest in it. I'm not saying you can't, okay? Uh, I've held some silver coins for a long time, to the point, oh, well over a year now, so they would absolutely be considered an investment in that sense. But it's not for the purpose of of trying to make a massive amount of money. It's for the purpose of hedging my risk against inflation. If inflation does tick up, if monetary devaluation, which is what I prefer to re- reference it as, uh, if that does tick up and the general increase in prices actually happens, then having silver is going to help maintain some of the wealth that I have. Okay, It's not a perfect hedge against it. It's not a perfect hedge against the, your currency devaluing and, and prices rising all around It's not a perfect hedge, but it does help. Okay. And I'm not saying, and I'm not going to tell you, I'm not a licensed individual. I'm not going to tell you what you should invest in. You know, you need to seek professional, licensed help if that's what you want. But in the end, look, this is something that I do. And I very much believe in, I love collecting coins from all different country, you know, current you know, bullion, uh, mints and stuff like that. You know, I, I love doing that. I love collecting from lots of different uh, sovereign mints and, and, and all kinds of stuff. I, I, I like the artwork. They really are genuinely very pretty. And actually, I just bought my daughter her first silver coin. It's not even a whole ounce, but it's of a, it's a little book called Guess How Much I Love You, and it was this tiny little silver coin that had an image. It's a, basically just two rabbits, an older, I guess, a brother rabbit or a father rabbit and then the tiny little bunny and whatnot. It's, just, it's a really, really cute story and whatnot, so I bought her a silver coin and everything. So, guys, I love buying silver. It's great stuff. Mind you, I didn't buy the silver coin from, from from Money Metals Exchange, okay? But I, I love buying silver. Silver's great. And if you guys are interested in precious metals at all, when you if you go check out Money Metals Exchange. And if you decide to make a purchase, mention my name. Okay. Mention that you were referred by, by me. You don't have to have a link. It's Matthew Spazidi. Just mention who referred you to them because I'm a customer and I have an account through them. They're going to know that it was me. And if you say Matthew Spazidi, again, you know, if you, if you need to know my name and how it's spelled, just look at the podcast. You know, Spazidi is a little difficult to say and whatnot. So, you know, if you, if you're interested in that and you're interested in silver and you want to make a purchase, go ahead and do it. If you do, we will both receive free silver. Two uh, free silver coins. You, you will receive a silver coin and I will also receive a silver coin. So if you guys are interested in getting started on buying silver stuff, go check out money metals exchange. That's moneymetals.com. I'll put the link in the description below. Again, I, I don't believe that there's not an affiliate link. All right. This is a they're a referral program. It's a little different, but basically instead of getting paid in money we will get paid in coin I will get paid in coins and you will also receive a coin. So again it's not that expensive to do. I mean 35, 40 bucks I mean whatever kind of silver coin you, you're, you're, you like you buy that and we both receive silver coins as well. So it's really, really great. It's a great way to get started on getting silver coins. Simply just mention the my name Matthew Spaziti. Like I said, I have an account with them and whatnot. You don't even need to click on the link. I will put the link in the description below that will take you to their website, so you can check them out if you want. I'll take you to the, it'll take you to the homepage and whatnot, and just you know, explain explore the silver coins and all the stuff that they have there. And if you make if you decide to make a decision, like I said, we will both receive silver coins, and it'll be freaking awesome. I love Love deals like that because not only does it benefit you because you get something for free, I also get something for free, and it's great. And it's great both ways. So if you guys are interested in that, look, there's a lot of money printing that's going on right now. Is it going to cause inflation? I don't know. Okay, I, I really don't know. I have my I have my thoughts on it. I, I don't know for sure. Okay, it all depends on how the money gets circulated. It will definitely cause co- it will cause monetary devaluation somewhere. It will cause an increase in prices somewhere, whether that's in the stock market, the bond market. The money's going in the bond market. It'll definitely go there. By the time that that kind of money gets trickles down through the business and through the employees, yeah, it probably will, but it probably will take time. Now, if they start injecting money into the hands of everyday people and they start increasing the amount of money and they do all these stimulus checks, they just keep doing this over and over and over again, you know, the universal basic income, yeah, there's a very high chance it will cause a lot mass monetary devaluation across the board, a mass inflation across the board, and uh, yeah. it's It's a possibility, so it'll definitely cause an increase in prices. So that said, or at least there's a high chance that it will. So, if you guys are interested, now again, silver is not a hedge against a market crash. Silver burns like everything else in a crash, okay? But if you're wanting to hedge against inflation, you know, monetary devaluation, You know, if you want to hedge against that and you want to try to maintain, you know, maintain the store value of your money, silver and gold are great ways of doing this. So go check out Money Metals Exchange. I'll put the link in the description below. Just mention my name, Matthew Spaziti, when you buy and we'll both get free coins and uh, we'll both be better off. So guys, last but not least, this is an affiliate program. But I, I, we just got the ability to receive donations on the show, and I'm super, super happy to be able to do that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you guys really, really want to help support me here on this show, then please consider giving a donation. Okay, you, when you give me a donation, you are giving me the ability to do this on a full time basis. You're giving me the ability to work and, and and ultimately to just keep the show running. You know, pay and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys really want to support me, you love this message of financial freedom, you want to help me get this message out to as many people who will listen, you know, on top of sharing the show and all that kind of stuff, you know, giving, you know, giving a donation to the show is a great way to do that. So if you guys love the message, if you love what I'm doing here, and you re, you know, and you want to help me out, you want to support me, then hey, check it, you know, go check that out. I'll put the link in the description, the show notes page, and, you know, just consider giving me a, what whatever you feel makes you happy, you know, whether that's a dollar, that's fine, you know, give me, you know, consider donating whatever is on your heart, whatever you think is appropriate, whatever you want, and um, I would be more than appreciative of that, and I greatly, I greatly appreciate it. But that said though, guys, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, please consider sharing the show. You know, odds are if you like it, then other people in your life are going to like it. Consider sharing it with, you know, three friends, one who you know is going to like it, one you're not really sure about, and one you think is going to hate it. You know, share it with three different people that you know. And help me get this message of financial freedom out to as many people who will listen. Guys, this is an empowering message that I think the world needs to hear, okay? Everybody needs to hear. If you love the message, then you know why people need to hear it. And, you know, everyone needs to hear it. Everyone needs to understand this message of financial freedom. And we need to spread it. This is the message. This is the overarching, the higher purpose of this show financial freedom. Financial freedom leads to. Taking control of the source of your income and financial empowerment. And this is what we need to be preaching to the people. We need to get people in on this idea because we it will, it will really help a lot of people. All right? I, I truly believe it. Not only do I want it to help, you know, do I, I preach this message so that it will help you guys, but I think it's going to help a lot of people too. We need to control the source of our income. And that is absolutely something that we all need to do. So, guys, if you love this message, then please consider sharing the show. And also, again, if if you like what I'm doing here, then go check me out on iTunes and leave me a, a rating review. Guys, I'm trying to get my show on the map. I'm trying to get more people aware of the show, and I need your help to do that. So, please Go leave me a rating review and if you guys want direct access to me if you want all that kind of stuff then hey go hit go hit me up at localscom localscom is an, is, an, is where I am currently at I'm trying to build up my following at localscom and Twitter so if you guys want to you know get access to me direct message me you know if you want to see my content you know I'm trying to post stuff more to locals a lot uh, I'm trying to be very active on Twitter and locals and whatnot so if you guys want access to me then go check that out I'm trying to build a strong community of people that want to become financially free, that want to help each other. So, you know, go join me at Locals and also help me by growing my following on Twitter and, and you know, just if you want to hear me tweet about my, my shows and, and what I'm doing on YouTube and all that other stuff, Twitter and Locals, they're, all, they're both a great place to do it. But I'm really trying to grow my my community of people on local. So when you join the locals community and whatnot, then make sure to share with people who you are, you know, your name, where you're from it, and what your aspirations are, what you hope to do and what you hope to accomplish and uh, what you're interested in, in terms of becoming financially free. Uh, make sure to share that. It'll let us know who you are and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it'd be great. So if you guys will do all that for me, I'll see you guys In the next episode, love you guys absolutely, and and thank you so much for being here. I wouldn't, this show would not exist without you. So, guys, have a great day, know the risks, plan accordingly, and I'll see you guys next time.